Hello and welcome to Fixing the Broken World of Work podcast with me, Danny Denhard, the founder of Focus.Business. I'm on a mission to fix the broken world of work. We have entered a world where the majority of us have had to work from home and against decades of management conditioning and expert advice, the majority of us made it work. And in some cases, we actually thrived. And now, many see no reason to go back to the old ways of doing things. We're about to embark on shaping the future of work for decades to come. Through designing what hybrid is going to look like, and how we're going to make it happen. The podcast episodes are going to help to equip you to make work better, not just for today, but for the long term, and help to shape the future of work. The guests and I dive into company culture, organisational health, leadership, well-being, and the misunderstood business function that is strategy. Each episode is packed full of actionable advice and tips. So go and get your notepad or open up your notes app be inspired to make positive change. Peter, thanks for joining me today. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know you a little bit. I've watched your TED Talk and gone through all of your profiles, but a lot of the listeners won't know who you are and, and what you do. So could you give us a, a, a quick elevator pitch of you and, and what you're doing? At yeah, the I'll, I'll give you a quick a kind of squeeze squeeze everything down really into a couple of sentences to, to share with you what, what, what I do and, and, and how I help people. So I, essentially I help people to to find their stories, to sort of craft them and then and then deliver them. So uh, as, a, as a speaker coach, a TEDx coach, I help people to uh, either stand on a stage, either at work, share their messages better, or maybe even through a screen, making uh, helping people to to create that chemistry and that connection to, just a little bit better as well. So uh, so whether it's whether it's CEOs, whether it's marketing teams, sales teams, to 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 really create their stories in the right way to get closer to the outcomes they want, or just simply um, people who who just want to boost their confidence that little bit more um, in their work, in their communication, to sort of elevate their careers and move forward in the right way. So uh, so that hopefully is squeezed down into something that people can um, can understand. <laughs> What I like about what you said and what you offer is obviously making people feel better, feel more confident. One thing that I think you do and you sell really well is storytelling. And I think that storytelling has become a bit of a buzzword. It's become something that a lot of leaders in, in brackets, inverted commas, say that they do, but they don't do very well. Is there something that that you you do differently, or you help pitch storytelling differently. Well, it's funny help. you say that because um, I think I think you're right. I think when we when I certainly speak start to speak to people about storytelling, or a client comes to me and we we sort of jump into that into that into that notion into that area. Often, when we say the word storytelling, it, most people think it's kind of like you know this big kind of epic thing that we have to talk about something like a big achievement or we've you know run up a mountain or we were olympic gold medalists or you know from the start and finish to the end when in fact when in fact storytelling is 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 more about these moments of emotion that are happening all the time and we've got them we've got a whole bag of them whole full of experience in in our past things are happening to other people and this notion of of we as human beings, we just love to know how other people are feeling. That, that's essentially what storytelling is. No, trying to listen to other people's feelings, whether it's 
something good, whether it's something bad, whether it's well, if you think about gossip, that is storytelling. It's just passing on ideas, passing on what other people are doing, saying, feeling, things that we can most of us can relate to, certainly as adult human beings, all these different emotions of you know, rejection, um, excitement, happiness, um, sadness, um, something dramatic that happens in our lives, something that is uh, ecstatic in our lives. All these things we are we kind of our brains are wired to listen to. And that's why storytelling is so, so powerful, because as soon as we start telling stories or sharing moments of emotion that have happened to us or other people, people listen to that. We, we can't help but listen to that. So it's uh, working with my clients, certainly um, looking at that word storytelling, we, we look at moments of emotion, we look at things that have happened to them, things that have happened to other people. We look at the stories certainly in our heads, the story of how we see ourselves, the story of the perception of, of other people, of how they feel about us and how they see us. Right now, as I'm speaking to you and you're speaking to me, maybe some people have listened to your podcast, maybe they haven't, they've just sort of come across it. They're listening to my voice, your voice, and they're creating their own story in their heads about who we are, what we represent, whether, we, whether we're going to share value right now in this episode. So there are many types of stories, but fundamentally it comes down to how we make people feel um about the, the 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 information we share i would say that it's something that many leaders struggle with is storytelling i think something that they have real issues with is being being able to be transparent being able to be open being able to show the right level of emotion with a lot of your clients how do you get them to to, to pull and tweak and and pull all this different information and all these different feelings out to deliver a message that that will really resonate because storytelling ha has a as you said has a start middle and end but mostly when you tell a story you want a reaction or emotion yeah to happen how do yeah. you help help yeah, leaders think, with that i think a lot of the time initially the kind of idea of the messages a leader can share and kind of the the perception that most leaders have of of the messages they share are usually not always connected to vulnerability are not connected to those emotions how 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 we really feel because if we start to do that if we start to share those emotions of how we're really feeling and things that have happened to us and, and a leader a leader's story or something that's he's seen or felt that other people can relate to, then other people will be more connected to that, to the words he's saying and connected to him. So there's nothing worse than, worse than, a, than a leader sharing information and sharing data or his messages and they're unrelatable to the people he's speaking to. Yeah. So, so being relatable has got a lot to do with sharing stories and, and sharing kind of stories that are, that are true any when we think about storytelling anyway often we kind of relate that to truth it's an interesting mm. thing so when somebody's about to tell a story or they, they're telling a story of something that's happened to them or they've seen or they've felt or about somebody else we instinctively have this idea that it's true it, it obviously is not true for, for a lot of people because people tell fake stories and fake news and 
all that's going on. However, in our brains, we, we tend to, to give people the benefit of the doubt when they start to share a story or something that that's happened to somebody else or themselves. If I start to tell you now something that happened to me last week, instinctively, you would probably believe that because there's no real reason, unless it's the real reason for you to, unless I'm giving you signals or you've already got this kind of bias in your head about me as a person sharing messages which aren't true, you'll, you will tend to believe what I'm about to share with you. And if it's in, in a form of a story or, or, or something that's happened and the emotions of how I've felt and other people have felt, you tend to, we tend to believe that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a lot about sharing these kind of innocent, true, emotional, these feelings that everybody can relate to. And once leaders start to share those kind of messages connected to messages which people can can be connected to and can see themselves in in the story themselves then it's a lot easier you said bias and i think that's um probably where a lot of leaders struggle i think because there's a lot of bias that goes against them so it could be performance related it could be um how they might have misled people mm. how they might have undone a few promises that might have and therefore has a bad um, bias against them is there something that you you help leaders with when it comes to sort of storytelling well, and coaching around removing some of that bias because trust is yeah, a two-way street absolutely. and very often a leader expects absolutely. it often when we start we we i've mentioned it earlier on already we, we really look at that those those two the two stories in the heads of of the leader so how does he see himself or herself how how you know what perception do they think or do they feel people have of them already right so so could you you know a whole scale a whole spectrum of 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 people and ideas along that along that line right so you can have people that know that they're maybe the perception that people have of them is not good because of certain mm. things they've said or done or, or moments in the past that have persuaded them to, to think that way or others that think they are sharing positive, good, um, relatable messages but don't have really a grasp on reality of, of how how their team or how others in the company or other people connected with the with the brand see them as as a leader. So so it's, it's I think it's really important to get as close as you can to that reality. Because when they when they when they realize, okay, well, first of all, you know, a lot of your team or maybe people in, in the company employees their perception of you is is not great but because of different reasons because of this that and the other right and once they're honest about that and honest about themselves and really understand that okay well to get in to get people to start to relate to him or her as a leader the messages they share have to be things that will relate to the people that are listening and, and really empathize with them and really be honest with them 
And if things aren't going well, be honest about that. If the perception of them is low, how how are we going to share the messages which start to turn around or build that trust up again, which is often the case, isn't it? Building that trust back up when it's lost. It, and that's really difficult to do, isn't it? It's really difficult to do to, to when you, we know it. We've um, had a, a business exchange or something that's happened and you, you had trust in the past and then and something happens and that, that trust is lost. And it's really difficult to bring that back. So it's the same kind of thing, really trying to um, help help leaders to understand really how, how you know, what, what's the real perception or the general perception. Maybe not, maybe not like the, the, the 100% guaranteed perception. It's really difficult to get that. But generally, how do people feel about you? Do they, do they want to listen to you? Do they think you're just sharing messages which are empty? Do they see somebody who's confident, who who acts like a leader, who looks like a leader, who sounds like a leader, but when it actually comes to the a- actionable parts of, of what he's saying or she's saying, you know, do they make sense? It's really sort of getting going underneath the surface and trying to to figure that out and 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 get a, an honest kind of um, overview in terms of the perception of themselves and the people they're they're speaking to. Do you have a quick example of a leader who maybe was a little bit misunderstood their their mm. trust factor, and then you had to coach out of them or get them to lean into into it a little well, bit more? Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example of maybe not so much that, but another example which kind of outlines the importance of of really thinking about the audience and thinking about how they see you um, as, as a leader. So a, a couple of years ago, helping two CEOs, in fact, two, two founders of a very large company, a very um, large company that is, um, I think, uh, in their industry, I think third in the world now. At the time, they were about sixth, but they were growing. They were, they were very big, very, very um, strong. A remote company, though, a company that that works completely remotely, right? So they were about to have a large um, team building, but also conference over a few days, a very large conference, bringing all of their employees, staff members, all together. So for them, for the staff members, it's the first time they're together. They see all everybody else because often they're just working, well, not often, all the time, working in you know in front of their screen, wherever in the world. So everybody flew over to the same place, and this was the very first time everybody, the staff members, actually see, hear, and be in the same room as the two CEOs. Now, before we started, before we started uh, putting together the exact messages and key messages of the speech of the talk, it was really important for for me uh, and for them to, to 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 figure out what the perception was of them before people will see them in 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 real life. Fortunately, it was quite good. Okay, um, it was it was actually difficult for them to gauge whether they were seen as some you know positive people or because they hadn't really shown themselves too much online anyway so they didn't get involved with the meetings they were just a name they were just like two names 
CEO, CEO, co-founder, co-founder, and that was it. So it was, it was, it was so important from the minute they get on stage, from the minute people see them and hear them, even before they actually speak, as even just by walking onto the stage, that they're that they know all these images, all these move, all this movement, the sounds they make, the words they say, at that moment, will be a really important moment because people were people, you know, they they were they're anticipating that their CEOs, their t the two CEOs, they haven't seen them before, haven't heard from them before. Probably in the minds of many of those people in, in that were looking out at them when they're on stage, you had a whole range of different perceptions. Some thought, "Great, this, this, they're going to be this is this is really good." Some thought, perhaps, "Okay, let's let's see who these who the who our bosses are. Let's see who the, these CEOs are." And some probably were neutral, didn't even think about it. But it was important when they go on to really realize and be aware that what they do on that stage during that 20 minute talk together is going to be a is going to be a lasting impression because people will remember that people will will you know feel something from that they will use that as a reference point for for many i think so fortunately, it all went well. We, you know, we we put it all together. We we touched a lot of emotional points as well, to really help people to, to to feel the 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 the, the kind of the emotions connected with the messages. So it all went well. But but at the beginning, we we did. We spent a lot of time sitting down and, and actually me listening, <laughs> listening to and asking questions about, you know, how it all started. What, what do your team think of you? What do you think they think of you? I couldn't, I mean, I, I, maybe I could have asked directly, but that would be too, too blatantly obvious. I mean, the staff members, but, um, but no, we spent a lot of time brainstorming and listening and, and, and um, hearing stories, just story, their story, kind of things that happened in the past things that they how did they feel and a lot of my questions a lot of the time I asked the same question how did you feel when you did that that and that what was going through your mind when you did that that and that and then and then they confirm that to me or they give me those emotions or I can kind of imagine how it must have felt when they were maybe mm -hmm. rejected for the first time second time third time or you know when they hit a, a great achievement a, a milestone along their along their career or when, when something big changed for the, for good or bad. And so once we get into that, the emotional side really starts to come out and then it's, it's so much easier to, to pull those, to pull those stories and pop them in, into the talk. Great. Obviously most people are remote or they're hybrid. Like I think in most of the Western worlds, people are, are slowly returning. Although in San Francisco, Salesforce have only reported a hundred people returning <laughs> to their forty-three floor office. It's an evolving uh, world at the moment. That was a, a remote example. Hybrid and remote leadership is is challenging for for most people because they've never really done it. You obviously coach and teach people 
how to be a, a better leader and better remote leader and and better storyteller have you found anything that's changed in the in the last sort of 18 months that that you that you could recommend to other people or or you, they could deliver a, a speech that they haven't necessarily been able to do before while they've been remote Sorry, what's the question? <laughs> so, so with so many people working remotely and so many people working in a hybrid manner, so, you know, some are in the office, some are at home, some are working in Croatia, for instance, it's very, it's more difficult for leaders to deliver a message. So whether you're a manager or, or you know, the CEO or COO of the company, it's very difficult for you to deliver that hard-hitting message to a group of people, typically most of them have, have lent on email. Have you have you learned anything? Have you seen seen anyone really tackle this differently to to really land a great speech or a great presentation that, that's picked the company back up? Because a lot of people are feeling feeling down, fatigued, and performance is is, is waning from that. So I was wondering, from mm. what you're doing and and the coaching that you're doing, is there something that you can pull out of people to to deliver that hard hitting message that, at the right time. I think a lot of it is connected to to what I've just mentioned in terms of that emotion. So a, a leader that can that can really empathise with, with with their audience and, and relate to their audience, or their audience can relate to what they're saying, is certainly going to that's going to be a competitive advantage, right? So in these times in the last eighteen months, everybody's gone through something some some kind of challenge some of us lots of challenges some of us still going through those challenges mm. so the more we can show that level of empathy and i've seen again leaders helping leaders to do this and really sort of focus on this can really it can be a really good thing to get people to to listen to you to get people to to be more intrigued and curious about what you're about to say. If you can show them that, you know, you really understand that you really understand that it's, it's things are tough and, and, and juggling everything all together and the homework office thing and kids all in the background and this anxiety that we're all feeling in some way or form, because we all, we've all felt it. Some of us are really good at handling it. Some of us are kind of getting by. Some of us are are kind of learning to deal with this, still learning to deal with it, doing it well. But when the when, you know, when for example, when the camera's off, it's a, it's a huge sigh of relief, you know. So I think I think the empathy side, really sort of showing that empathy and showing signals of empathy, and you can do that. There are many things you can do. So this skill set of this virtual speaking skill set. It's a different, it's a different kettle of fish than, than in person. There are things we do here in this screen that can help us communicate better, even better than, than we are in person, like keeping our messages a lot shorter. Mm. We haven't got time. Time in, 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 in the real world is valuable, right? We all know that time here in front of the screen, looking at the camera is even more valuable than ever, isn't it? 
It's like we 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 haven't got time for waffle. We haven't got time for fluff. We we need to be more straight to the point, more concise with our messages, clearer with our messages, and sharing the right signals that people can can see and absorb and and understand a lot quicker. So like right now, I'm I'm talking to you. You can see me now, although this is a podcast and it's audio. We're recording this video to video so we can see each other. So you can not you can not just hear my voice and the intonation through the tone of my voice and and how I'm sharing those messages through uh, through speaking, but you can also see it. You can also hopefully feel something even more by my gestures. When you're speaking, I lean forward slightly, or you can see me nodding. I can see you nodding. You know, genuinely, mm. I think it's genuine. It looks genuine. <laughs> it looks genuine. But you're genuinely nodding, and and these are signals telling me you're listening to me. So, so one of one of the biggest signals is showing people that you're listening. So if you've got a camera off, it's really difficult to know if someone's actually listening to you, or if they're present. Which is a really tough one. Even when the camera's on, if we're not moving. And we're not looking at the camera, and we're looking at something else. These are the signals that are telling us that we're not being listened to. So, so that that's one of the big key key skills, really, to 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 show people you're listening, and to show those signals in the right way, um, to 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 get to the close to closer outcomes. I think you said it was a secret weapon in some of the talks that you did is, is gestures and stances and movements. Yeah. And like you said, we've, we're recording this on video. You use a lot of, yeah. of gesturing and, and obviously the, the stance. So it's something that I think a lot of leaders don't necessarily on, uh, they can either lead with their voice, they can lead with their actions or they could lead, they lead more with yeah. their body language. Is there one that you think's most important with working in a hybrid environment? Well, either voice or gestures, or yeah, obviously voice is something that we're all hopefully apart from hard of hearing, is something that's is the is the level is like the the only thing that that people can zoom in on. Do you think when there's video involved, do you think it's more important to have gestures and have like a strong body language, or do you think there's something else that? Yeah, no, I think that yeah, a I think these, these all go hand in hand. So the voice is our is our biggest kind of. Um, is the thing we we which actually influences other people. It can sway them more than anything else. So you can have you could have you can look pretty shabby, or on the screen you know visually don't, they don't look too good. Um, but if your voice is strong, if you can make up for up for it through your voice, that will be the thing that sways people. To make to make a judgment of you, right? So the the gestures that we make visually, if we can if we can create something that's comfortable, appealing, not just through our voice, but what people see as well, all these things coming together are creating these these judgments, these decisions about about who we are. Again, the story of perception, how people see you, understand you, and and um, their perception whether you're going to share some value or not, you know, whether they're going to stick around. So everything you you sort of say, everything people see, all of these things together are kind of equal the emotional 
element of how people feel, right? Everything is to do with emotion. So my voice, what you hear, sound, that that hits our emotional, the emotional part of our brain much more than than, than, than anything really. If you think of if you think of movies, if you think of Netflix, if you think of series on TV, the biggest part of what they what they put together, the most important elements are not the well, okay, the story is important, but isn't necessarily the Hollywood actors or the, the high paid uh, movie stars or the great sets or the CGI. It's often the sound, it's often the score, the musical score, the sound mm. connected to what people see, because that is the thing that makes or break it. You know, you think about, if you think about apps and video games and, and pings and sounds that we hear all the time, all these sounds are connected with emotion. They make us feel something. And we're hearing them all the time. Maybe we, we're not aware of it, but we're, we're constantly listening to sounds. So... If I was to open my door right now, my balcony door, I would hear these cricket bugs just hit. You might be able to hear them right now, but in the, in the distance. But that, again, what is that? When I hear that, and most people hear that, especially people who, who maybe don't live in a Mediterranean country, it, it gives them a sense of what? Of, of sunshine, of warmth, kind of holiday sounds. Think of holiday sounds. Okay. It's the same as smells, although we can't do it here through the through the screen. Smell is often a, a really strong one as well. That one's t completely taken away. But what we do have, we have what people see and we have what people hear. So if we can focus on those two already, we're kind of setting people up. We're increasing our chances of people staying with us and being more curious about what's about to be shared yeah the most important recommendation that i make when talking to companies and, and being hybrid is ensuring that people have their time where they make they physically make time to eat together because it's campfire it's you know it's how we're it's tribalism it's how we're engineered it's in our dna so it's the same thing so like you were saying it's the smell so croissants and bakeries are famous for putting the kitchen as close to the front door as possible it's all engineering yeah. for us and that's what i think a lot of leaders sort of are missing out on a little bit at the moment in the hybrid world is when you have people that are remote typically when you do a big speech in front of a bigger company you typically do it uh, in person it's typically food or drink there's a way to people are connected in, instantaneously and before they've even spoken a word, they know that they're connected and they're all, all around the same, they're all fighting for the same it, thing. It actually, what you just said there around campfire and food and the smells, it just reminded me of a, of a documentary I saw the other day and it was all about, in fact, all about the success of Greg's. So Greg's, the bakery, yeah. many different elements which have, they've built on to ensure that they are the leading or one of the leading bakeries in, in the UK. And one of those things they did, and they've been doing it from the beginning, is very simply keeping the doors open. So they keep their doors yep. open. So you walk through, walking along the high street and the doors are open. As you walk past, you can smell that, the the, the big bakery smell. You can smell the, the, the hot dogs. You can smell the kind of steak bakes, yeah? So that that just, 
just a simple thing of keeping the doors open. And the next time you go to the next time you go to the high street, have a look. Doors will probably open unless I'm not sure about the winter, but certainly when it's good weather, um, doors are open. What's fascinating about Greg's is it, it's one of only three billion, so three different one billion pound companies in the UK. So there's only McDonald's and Tesco's that are bigger than Greg's. And Greg's have to use, you know, high street presence. They have to do delivery and they've got, you know, in freezer aisles, they, they sell it. But theirs is very similar um, model to everyone else's. Take mindshare, be there when you want a little treat for yourself know that you can get it whenever you pretty much whenever you want it and know that it's going to be of, of decent quality it's fascinating how they how they engineer stores and where they place them it's it's yeah. amazing i think actually a lot of business leaders can take can take so much inspiration away from businesses like that i think often we get conditioned into our our own environment and we don't look outside our own industry and i think that's where leaders often yeah absolutely wrong, and I, I mean watching that and actually the, the day before I, don't, I must have been on a kind of marathon of watching um uk stores on how they became successful i think i watched one on on the pound stores and how they developed there was another one on, on i think it was um iceland the guys from iceland how they developed everything and i think they were working at woolworths or, or marks of spencers very early on and at the same time they they kind of they started iceland and uh, and they wanted to do things the same way as as Marks of Spencer's. So instead of one of their ideas was instead of you know starting out, they they created their their new um, new shop. Instead of just putting cheap flooring, they decided to do the same thing as Marks of Spencer's, which which was essentially you know put in really expensive flooring that's going to last mm. a good 10 15 years rather than some cheap um flooring that's after a couple of years you're gonna to have to keep redoing it and keep redoing it so so those were kind of small things that they took from and, and obviously much expensive did well i'm not sure how they are right now but um i think they just had a sterling quarter really? i think they're up 10 really? percent yeah okay yeah but maybe that, that's something that people listening can take as inspiration, right? Is leaders have to find their competitive edge. Leaders are the only parts of the company that live in the past, the present and the future. The only people that really have to concentrate and answer the three stages every day. They have to answer why performance was bad yesterday. What's going to happen today and what's going to happen tomorrow, a year, three years time. And I wonder if that's something that people can take inspiration from is very often in certain jobs, you're in the now or you're in the very near future. It's only really marketing departments that have to like drive us forward continuously. So I wonder if there's an inspiration that people can take from leadership and some of the coaching that you do is, is actually that they have to live in the three stages and, and knowing the difference in the competitive edge or their competitive edge is going to get them further. I don't know if, if you agree or no, I, if you think I agree. And I think in, in terms of if we look at um, speaking and, and, and sharing our messages and, and it's, it, we, we often really need to think about, you know, what people think about right now, what is the status quo right now of, of how people are feeling, how they see themselves and how they see uh, the company maybe they're working for or the industry. And then after you've spoken, 
when you've left them, what is it they're going to feel different? What is it they can say to themselves and say, hmm, I'm curious about that. Hmm, maybe I could try that. Hmm, maybe I should, should think about that in a different way. So always, you know, it's always about looking at, at now and, and thinking after you've finished, what are you going to leave them with? How are you going to, what are you going to make them feel once you, once you go off stage or once you leave them? And that, if, if, if a leader can answer that or a speaker can answer that, already we're on the right track. If, if they can't okay. answer that or it's a, it's a challenge to answer that, it's okay. Then we just need to figure out a little bit more about the, those key messages and, and look a little bit more at how things are right now and, 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 and what is it that we're going to change or you're going to change in the minds of the people listening to you. Well, I often like to suggest to the leadership teams that I work with is you have to have like the visionary, you have to have the person that can sell it in and that can answer the forward leaning questions. And then I think you've got the the other people that need to be able to tell the, the more boring story, the CFO, the COO that can really hit it. But what I tell each and every one of them is you need to leave something, a seed that you're planting in their brain. I think you called it the like a mental nod. I think you want people to nod mm. along with you mm. in what you do. But I think you need to plant that seed and then water it every time that they see you or they, they think about you. It's how they're part of it mm. and how they can get on the journey or be part of, you know, get on the bus, as Jim Collins might say. It's it's how, a, for me, a leader has to be able to plant that seed and water it every time and you have to have that, like, that retain that free headspace that's going to get them thinking and being creating ideas that can can drive people forward and people around them forward and i think that's the difference between sometimes a leader and a manager i was wondering obviously this is about fixing the broken world of work i just wondered if you had two or three quick fire um tidbits that people might be able to implement themselves or try out themselves to to feel like they're making progress in fixing their broken world of work my area everything that i focus on every single day is about how we can communicate better and create that chemistry even stronger through this 2d world we're living in you know which which for some uh, as we mentioned are tackling it really well some think they're tackling it really well because we've been doing it for so long. When we do things, if we do things many times, often we kind of convince ourselves that we're good at it. But that's not always the case. We can always improve how we communicate and how we get our messages across through through the screen. And touching all those points, as I mentioned earlier, on about empathy, making people feel like, or showing the signals that you're listening to them, getting people curious about your ideas, keeping your messages a lot shorter, trying to be more curious and show those, show those behaviors. A lot of it is about a set of behaviors that you have to be aware of to help people have a better perception of you. So this isn't about, you know, it's not about manipulation. It's not about um, getting people to think a certain way. It's just increasing your chances by 
sharing being aware of the behaviors you, you, that you're sharing so being aware of your voice knowing how you sound and if you know how you sound if you've heard your voice before and you accept that perhaps there's areas that could could you could improve on so not necessarily the actual voice because our, our vocal tones we can't really change those but what we can do is shape the way our messages come out and by doing very small things and being a, having a little bit more of awareness we can do that like using more pauses in our in our phrases in our sentences in our in the way we communicate having time to think more about what we're about to say cutting down those ums and ers which often happen all the time for many of us anyway so working out how to kind of reduce those and being really comfortable with your breathing can really help as well this idea of being calm and in control all of these small things can help to get closer to the right perception or a better perception so you're increasing i always say increasing your chances of a better outcome so you're not you know what i do some people it's really helped a lot in terms of business and communication many have have worked on their communication and, and they're, they're feeling more confident and if you're feeling more confident already that's going to come across and in many circumstances that really does help in business and the perception is greater and better and getting closer to those outcomes is what it's all about so so if you the answer to that question really is is, is to work more on yourself and and be more aware of those behaviors that you're sharing um can can really help great and i like to finish uh each podcast with a quick fire round it's usually around content corner so is there one book that you'd recommend people to to read uh and just quickly why yeah there is it's called the rules of life by richard templer richard templer best-selling author apparently and he's written lots of other books the rules of thinking i think the rules of work the rules of it's a whole bunch of rules of and it's really simple there's about 50 50 different um, chapters it's a they're each a page long and it's a great kind of book where you can just jump in and jump out um, while you're on a train or you're on a plane or wherever you are, if you can't travel at the moment, whatever you're doing. Um, it's a great one to sort of jump in and out. Words of wisdom that can just help you understand a little bit more about, okay, this one's about thinking. Um, a lot of it is stuff we already know, but it's really good. It's actually really good to be refreshed and be reminded of the stuff mm. we already know. Let's face it, most of us know a lot of what we've been chatting about today. A lot of us kind of know that and are aware of that. But it, it often takes a, a podcast like this or an episode like this, maybe just to remind people to get in the right frame of thinking to, to, to take them forward. You know, so that book, um, thoroughly recommend. Is there a video or a documentary that you'd recommend someone that is a must watch? <laughs> when you said that, I'm Apart thinking of Greg's, Greg's. I'm just thinking of Greg's, right? Um, <laughs> you don't have to actually, you know what? Yes. 
have a look at that one. Have a look top of my head. Greg's go on YouTube, uh, put, put type in Greg's um, success, and it, you'll you'll see the, the one of the documentaries that pop up about about Greg's. Um, I don't live in the UK anymore, but when I do go back, I I, I certainly miss a, uh, a steak bake. Um, so that's always often the first, not the first place I go to, but it will be some, somewhere along the time that I'm in Britain, I will pop into Greg's for a steak bake and a coffee. Um, but it's intriguing to know how Greg's, all, you know, how it all started. And because, you know, years ago there were many, you know, and, and there still are lots of bakeries on the, on the high street, small ones, bigger ones. But these guys, they had a plan, they had a strategy and they kept going. And that's the same for everyone, isn't it? For wh whether we're selling steak bakes or hot dogs or sausage rolls, or whether we're developing our business strategy and creating a, a, a global um, global brand. Is there like a podcast other, other than this one, obviously, that you'd recommend? Yeah, there is actually. It's called Inside Sales. I can't remember the chap that does it. He's an Irish chap, but it's... Um, just started listening to it it's really really good so real strong sales professional um really sharing straight talking advice about everything really uh, a lot of it overlaps into what i'm doing in terms of storytelling in terms of sharing your messages as as um as sales professional but there are you know so much value in that so i think it's inside sales but i can't tell you exactly who does it no as i find it so where can people find you? Where where should obviously they can watch your TEDx talk? Where can people find you if they want to work with you or or ask you further questions? The easiest way and the most straightforward way is simply type in my name in LinkedIn. Um, Peter Hopwood, uh, speaker coach, and you'll find you'll find me and all the things I'm doing. Um, a lot about the clients I'm working with. This podcast, I'm sure, this episode and other episodes as well. Um, all about storytelling and sales and and uh, and virtual presence and speaking. So if anybody they're intrigued, they're curious, they want to know more, they feel like um, perhaps we could collaborate together in helping their teams or or their, their company or brand move forward in in really getting good at creating this chemistry and connection online. Reach out and send me a message and let's see uh, let's see where we can collaborate. Awesome. Thanks very much for your time listening to the fixing the broken world of work podcast today make sure you hit follow in apple podcasts or spotify or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts if you enjoyed today's episode please rate and review don't forget to click the show notes and to connect to the podcast guests you can find out more about how we're fixing the broken world of work at focus at focus.business or just search for me danny denhard